The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Tomorrow marks the first anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Over the past year, tens of thousands of innocent civilians and soldiers have died in Ukraine in battles by Russian forces. And also millions of people have fled the country to get away from Vladimir Putin's forces. One of those people is a journalist called Maria Romanenko, who fled exactly a year ago today as forces from Russia try to cap- capture Kiev. She joins us on the line now to tell us about those events of the past year and also what it's been like since. Maria, very good, af- very good afternoon to you and thank you very much for joining us on The Last Word. Thank you so much for having me, Ian. Tell us what the mood was like in Kiev a year ago today. Um, so I think, well, I didn't, well, I, I moved away from Kiev, the capital, uh, around this time now, probably. But we, uh, we actually, we were on holiday before that and we got back on the 23rd of February um, last year and uh, Kiev kind of looked quite normal to me. You know, we did very sort of usual things. I, I went to get a light bulb because uh, my light my light went out in the toilet and uh, we just kind of tried to get on with our lives. It didn't really feel like anything was wrong, but I guess a lot of people were aware of the warnings and the threats and obviously the 150,000 Russian troops that were at the border. So there was kind of, I think there was awareness of that, but people were trying to live their lives because everybody still has to go to work. Everybody still has things to take care of. Yes, and the build-up had been coming for a couple of weeks. But on that day, heading into the early hours of the 24th of February last year, were you prepared to run or was this a sudden decision you and your partner made? Um, well, my partner was prepared. He was the one who made that decision because he's English. Uh, his home is Manchester. And he was just there because he wanted to ensure that nothing happens to me if things were to kick off. So he was the one who'd made like several plans and had everything ready. I didn't even want to be leaving. I was going to stay. But then he announced on the morning of the 24th when we were in the Kiev region that he is leaving. Well, either, you know, regardless if I'm staying or leaving with him, he'll, he'll still leave. And I had about an hour to make that decision. And and um, I had, um, yeah, and I decided to follow him. But I was completely unprepared. I mean, the bag that I brought to my dad's place uh, on the evening of the twenty third, when my dad told me that he had something might happen, and he suggested we go to the Kiev region, I just brought like a bottle of wine and a loaf of bread and a heated blanket and my running stuff and some curry spices. I definitely thought that I was just going away for a few days and I'd be able to come back to my flat in central Kiev uh, soon. Many listeners will have remembered the footage of that first morning and the bombs raining down on the city and all across the country. How did you get out of the city and what was it like and where do you think you were going? Well, we knew, well, uh, my partner considered uh, several options and uh, a lot of people were saying don't go to via Lviv because everybody will be doing the same thing. But he um, kind of, you know, weighed different options and decided to go to Lviv because he had some friends in Lviv and we could stay over for a couple of hours if we needed to. You know, we, we had people, we knew people there. So that's why we decided to go to Lviv and go that route and cross into Poland. And uh, we knew basically as we started moving that that's what we'd be doing. And my dad agreed to drive us there which took him 10 hours and then 10 hours back um so we yeah we knew that we would be going to Lviv we took the road that that was quite safe at that time even though Kiev region was occupied already you know parts of Kiev region were occupied on the first day our route was safe but the road that we took actually a couple of days later it was uh, shelled by the Russians and they like basically shelled everybody who was trying to evacuate that was just a couple of days after we took that road out but we were obviously lucky we, we were fine and you had to leave 
a lot of your family behind. Obviously, your father stayed, but your brother was of an age where no men between the age of 18 and 60 were allowed to leave, but also the rest of your family, your grandmother, your mother. Yeah, I mean, I had to leave. At that point, I thought I was saying goodbye to everybody. I wasn't sure, even though I couldn't actually physically say goodbye to them because obviously we were leaving so quickly and in such a rush. But I thought I didn't know when I would be able to see anybody again. And quite clearly, I've still not seen most of them. My mum came over and joined us, so she's safe and she's living with us in Manchester. But everybody else had stayed. And unfortunately, the grandma, she passed away on Christmas Day. So I won't be able to see her. What's life like back in Ukraine for your family? I mean, it's uh, it's it's tough. I think it's a bit better now because we've not had any massive um, sort of uh, big um, you know attacks all over the country recently. But uh, it's it's hard in the ways that there's uh, curfews. Uh, they depend. The time depends on the area you live in. Like it can be as early as seven p.m. in Kherson, and then it's like eleven p.m. in Kiev. And some areas have um, in between those times. So you know the streets are empty at night. There's not really nightlife uh, other than the nightlife that you have before ten p.m. So the clubs kind of have to open up and close earlier and um, there's uh, constant power cuts uh, as I explained before because of Russia's, uh, Russia hitting the infrastructure so people have as many as like four or six hours without electricity and then they have like a couple of hours with electricity so everybody tries to do everything they need in those couple of hours and there's obviously air raid sirens so people uh, have to hide in the corridors or go down the bomb shelters all the time so these are the three things that people had to get to used to had to get to used to in the last um, year you've been you've been one of the fortunate people who have been able to make a new life for yourself in Manchester right now and I know you're going to be presenting on BBC radio tomorrow talking about what happened a year ago do you hope that you'll be able to get home to see your family even briefly anytime soon uh, well, I don't see it as new life, you know, I'm just here whilst um, whilst we can't go back because my, my partner would not go back now. He's very firm that we're going back when Ukraine wins. So I don't see it as new life. I just see it as kind of trying to make the most of what we have here. And by talking to other uh, Ukrainian war refugees, I, everybody shares the same opinion, like 95% of them say that they're going to go back as soon as it's uh, safe to go back. So I'm I'm just here for now, but we are going to go back um, when Ukraine wins. We're going to help rebuild the country. I'm going to do my reporting. My partner is going to help with investing into Ukraine by connecting British businesses with uh, with Ukraine and uh, helping with the business side of things. So we, we are going back and we have many plans for that. A lot of people are are still in the country suffering right now. You've you've got out. You were one of the lucky ones. How How awful do you think... It is for those who are staying behind, seeing the scenes they're seeing the scenes they are seeing right now. I mean, it very much depends where you are. You know, some areas are kind of people try to um, live their life um, as much as they can. Obviously, with the three things that I mentioned before: the power cuts, the curfews, and the air raid sirens. It depends where you are. Obviously, some people live in occupation and they have seen some horrible things, and they uh, sometimes get out and then they are able to tell their stories. Some of them have never gotten out. Some of them stayed. Some of them are still, um, you know, and some of them never got out because they were killed by Russians, like uh, including my friend. Uh, who was a journalist and he was killed in the Kiev region uh, last spring and he will never be able to tell his story and uh, a lot of people you know people have different stories and people have uh, every every story is unique and it varies Uh, some people are able to live a relatively okay life in these circumstances and some people have to see and uh, Russia's Russia's torture and live in like torture chambers for um, many weeks. 
Maria Romanenko, thank you very much for joining us on The Last Word this evening. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.